today on Growth Mindset University. You've built this fight against complacency, this fight against oh. status quo and mediocrity and all those sort of things. And people have been rallying behind it. And they're a very active crew, which is awesome. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. My guest today is David Burkus. David is a returning guest on Growth Mindset University. You'll likely recognize him as just that, a returning guest. Uh, And the author, not just that, but the author of Friend of a Friend, we talked about networking, uh, the science, uh, network science we talked about last time. And it was one of my favorite episodes of all time. It made made it into that best of podcast category on my website where like one out of every five podcasts roughly make it into that. So David's uh, in the top 20% of growth mindset university podcast as deemed t- the top 20% by uh, yours truly. I mean, I'm just <laughs> the one, I'm just the, the end all be all with that category. Nobody else has a say in that. I don't let anybody else. It's just how I feel about it, but David made it in there and he's a returning guest and he's awesome. He's a best-selling author, a sought after keynote speaker. Uh, an associate professor of leadership and innovation. He's delivered keynotes to the leaders of Fortune 500 companies. His TED Talk has been viewed over 2 million times, and he's a regular contributor to Harvard Business Review. And he's got this new audiobook. It's only on Audible. Is that correct? It, it is only in audio, but if you're an iTunes person or uh, if you're one of the seven people who buy books through Barnes & Noble, it's there too. Yeah. Uh, but it's only audio. Okay. And I listened to it. It was, was it an hour? How was the narrator, by the way? How, how, how was the narrator? Was the narrator good? <laughs> yeah, he was good. It was, it was narrated by the one and only David Burkus. And uh, so that was, that was a pleasure to listen to. And so, yeah, and to, answer, to, to answer your question, it's two hours and four minutes. And I was oh, actually okay. trying really hard to get it under two hours, but uh, I, I failed by four minutes. So what did you do? Like do you, you wrote, you wrote that book. Like, why not release it in in book format? Yeah. So, uh, a couple a couple reasons. Um, it started. I mean, like every book does, it started with the idea, and the idea was around after friend of a friend. The idea was around what bonds people together, what uh, what unites people. I actually found this really the series of studies that were really interesting that didn't make it into friend of a friend. That were all about. Um, the idea that outside adversity, outside threats, I mean, the craziest thing is whenever there's a natural disaster, a hurricane, a flood, a terrorist attack, which is not a natural disaster, or even like right now, like a a total global pandemic, one of the first things that happens is everybody starts being worried about looting, right? And riots and all this stuff. And yet every time consistently, people on average have more pro-social behavior. They bond together more when they face that adversity. So I started thinking of that. I started dreaming of that. I started um, talking about that with my usual publisher and my usual publisher wasn't all that interested. Um, some of that might be my fault, the way that I pitched the book and all that sort of thing. But um, 
they passed on it. They straight up passed on it. And, but then I kept talking about the idea specifically, I was talking to the idea about the idea to business owners, to team leaders, to people whose job it is to make other people feel a sense of purpose and meaning in their work. And every single person to a T that I talked about was excited. So now I was like, okay, clearly my publisher is wrong. So I'm going to write this thing anyway. So I wrote it without any contract. And I just added like, I had to sort of get it out of me, right? Maybe I would just put it, save it somewhere on my computer and do nothing with it. Maybe I'd do something with it. And when I wrote it, I noticed two things right away. One, that I really, really liked it. Uh, and two, that it was only 20,000 words, which is a problem for traditional publishers, right? Uh, you could you could self-publish a, a 20,000, but that works out to be like about 100 pages. And a lot of publishers don't want to. That's what my last book was. <laughs> yeah. But, I, it was 112 pages and like 17,000 words. <laughs> yeah. See? Um, so I started looking around to places that uh, have some gravitas, have some ability to help amplify uh, the message because I, I wanted it basically – I. The, the nice thing about, say what you will about traditional publishing, the nice thing is they still do help you amplify that message. It becomes easier to get PR. It becomes, do they? they'll ship they'll ship a free book anywhere you want. You don't have to actually like pay oh. for it and then ship it out. So that's always good. Um, but there's also, I mean, just the idea that um, smarter places keep track of their fan base. What we're seeing, I mean, some smarter publishers are starting to find ways, Harvard Business Review is the best at this, are starting to find ways to connect directly with leaders so that they can be the ones alerting them about new titles. But who does that the absolute best? Amazon and Audible in particular, right? So we walked over to Audible and we said, hey, we have this thing, it's 20,000 words, it would make a great Audible original, like, do you want it? Um, and, and ironically, here, here what's kind of funny, the actual Audible originals team that produces all the comedy things that they send out for free to people and whatever, we're like, no. <laughs> But the, the, the greater acquisitions team was like, well, we like David. We like his books. If he wants to do this, yeah, we'll do it. Um, so Audible signed on. And now we had that larger amplification platform to kind of to get it out there, have them produce it, which was great. Um, but really, I mean, so that that's the reason for audio only. The, the other, the side reason was that, again, we're targeting business owners, team leaders, so middle managers, some senior leaders. Uh, but we're targeting people who usually say they're too busy to read anyway. Right. They're the type of people that listen to podcasts. I mean, they're literally the type of people that listen to Growth Mindset University while they're doing something else, while they're working out, while they're commuting, which not a lot of people are right now, um, but while they're doing all of those sort of things. So the idea was why not yeah. put it in a format that plays to those specific leaders because they're the ones we're going after. Mm -hmm. And the book is called Pick a Fight How Great Teams Find a Purpose Worth Rallying Around. And uh, I want to make sure that people people can find that, yes. And that's obviously on Audible, on Amazon. Uh, but also, you know, I think LinkedIn is a pretty good place to connect with you. You seem pretty responsive on there, right? I mean, yeah, they, well, it's, yeah. it's because followers of this show are talking to me so often. I mean, that, that happens every, <laughs> every time we do one of these, Jordan, you end up with a, do you have a name for them, by the way? Is there, is there like a, the growth mindset? I don't, I you, don't. Uh, we got it. We got to figure it's it like, out. It's like, I mean, generally you can refer to them as like, you know, students. Yeah, no, I'm a student yeah. too, man. I'm a student too. I'm just like the really loud, obnoxious one that like, wants attention. So he raises his hand and asks a lot of questions. Like, right. I like it. I like it. What do we call them? Can we call them growthers? Let's call them growthers. That works. I don't know. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mindsetters sounds weirder. No, it's weird. Uh, growther, growthers. I mean, cause growers sounds like they're like, they make vegetables or something. Uh, <laughs> growthers. 
I like, I don't know. I like it. We'll see. We'll see what, when, when we inevitably start chatting on LinkedIn after this episode yeah. goes live. So we'll see what they want to be called. <laughs> but no, that's part of the reason, Probably. right? Yeah, you can find it on Audible, Amazon, et cetera. But I, yeah, I love yeah. those conversations because they're, uh, you, you've built an awesome tribe. Again, actually around this idea, to, to be clear, to put the idea from pick a fight into words, you, you've built this fight against complacency, this fight against oh. status quo and mediocrity mm -hmm. and all those sort of mm -hmm. things. And people have been rallying behind it. And they're a very active uh -huh. crew, which is awesome. So, and and that's that's what I want to like talk about. Like the whole point of this book, this book, Pick a Fight, is how to find the story behind your purpose. Like what, okay, since you're, I, I wouldn't normally like use myself as an example, but since you brought up me and my purpose and like what I'm doing here, like what do you, what do you see as, do you see like a story behind my purpose? Like what do you, what do you, what do you, as it relates to your book, how do I like, I don't even, I don't even know yeah. how to phrase this question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I, I, know I feel like going. an amateur podcast. No, right we're now. great. We're great. We're great. I know where we're going. Let me do this. Let me, let me talk. Cause I'm not the best person to, to say that you are right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and you listen, you listen to the, the book, but for the, but for everybody that's listening, let me run through real quick. What I mean when I say the story and all that, cause you hit the nail on the head, right? I think, I think the, the way that I say it in the book is that people don't want to join a company. They want to join a crusade. People want to feel like the work that they're doing contributes to a larger whole. We've known that for like 20 years. Talk about mission and vision and purpose. Start that's been around why. for Right. All of that's been around for, for a huge decade. But, but the irony of those why conversations is nobody ever says how or what does a good why look like, right? So that's where I came in starting to look at this research. And when I found that most, even corporate mission statements, but even individual purpose statements or why statements, whatever you want to call it, what most of them lack are stakes. What most of them lack are that level of adversity that would bring people together um, because they'd see not only what the brighter future is, but what happens if they don't work together towards that brighter future. So it's not just about what you're working for. It's also about what you're working against. And I would call that a fight, right? I would refer to that as a fight because a fight has stakes. You can actually lose a fight, right? Um, it's not this vague sort of purpose thing. So in the book, then I looked at a bunch of research on what are the right, let's call them templates for those stories, right? So it's like mad libs, but for those stories. And there's three that I found. The revolutionary fight, which in a simple um, summation says the entire industry or society or you know the external environment says this is acceptable and we refuse to accept that any longer, right? That's the beginning. All revolutions, yeah. reformations, et cetera, began with that. An That's, unwillingness to, to accept the same norm as everybody else. Your, your, one of your quotes in the book, anytime you can say the industry accepts this as normal, but we find it unacceptable, then you are fighting or are about to fight a revolutionary fight. We as humans adapt our behavior to what others are doing. Why? Because you now if others are doing it, well, then it must be good, right? It's why we like to see a large number of reviews for a book we are considering buying on Amazon. Why we want to see how many ratings a podcast has on Apple. Why we don't go to a restaurant if we see that it has less than three stars on Google. And why we sort YouTube videos by most viewed. You see, social proof is why we do what we do, and that's why this episode is sponsored by Save Proof, the social proof notification tool that increases conversions on your website by showing your visitors who's already purchased from you. If you sell anything on the internet, you need to be using Save Proof. Visit saveproof.com forward slash podcast to install Save Proof on your website for free. 
That's saveproof.com forward slash podcast. Anytime you can say the industry accepts this as normal, but we find it unacceptable, then you are fighting or are about to fight a revolutionary fight. Yeah, exactly. I wrote that. That's down. the revolution. There's also the underdog fight, which is my personal one, by the way, probably because I was born in Philadelphia, but that's a whole other monologue. Um, and the underdog fight, quite simply, is, is about, it's not just about, about being the little guy. An underdog fight works best when there is a rejection and a rebuttal. In other words, when the industry, when society, when a group of, of people who are looked upon as the criticizers, the critics, criticize you, put you down, reject you, and you have a reason why they're wrong. You have something they're overlooking. You have a plan to, to stop the haters, to shut the haters up. Then you've got an underdog fight, right? And then the last fight is the ally fight which is quite simply says it's not about our fight at all. It's about their fight and you get to define they, but it's about what they're fighting for and how we help them. So in those three, right? One of those probably already resonated with you more. I would say from the outside looking in, you're either most motivated by the ally fight or you're most motivated by the revolution, right? But it's really more on you. Yeah, I think think I'm going for more of a revolution maybe as it pertains to like education mm-hmm. but i think that the fight that i fight within my business in producing podcasts is a little bit different and i don't know how you would categorize that fight but like i'll explain to you the why there the why is like okay i see i see in these you know facebook podcasting communities all the time i in this one instance i saw Somebody post, whenever I post about my podcast on social media or whenever I post a podcast in general, it feels like I'm talking to no one. And so many people chimed in and they said, me too, me too. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's so sad. So my purpose within my business is to make people feel seen and heard and understood just as they'd like to be seen and heard and, and, and believed in and, and understood. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So I see, I I hear a very strong ally fight, right? They're they're fighting for significance or an impact or something that they're trying to accomplish with their show. And what you and the company does is come alongside them. It's about their fight. You just happen to be, uh, fighting uh, them alongside. And, mm-hmm. I, and I would say personally, I would say I feel something similar when I watch you, especially on LinkedIn, but elsewhere too. And I watch the growthers, I'm calling it, it's the growthers. When I watch them interact, um, because you're, you're always seeking to help them, help them level up their thinking, help point them to resources they don't know exist, point them to ideas they don't know exist, et cetera. So you, you're strongly motivated by that. Here, here's the way that I would distinguish, by the way, when I work with companies and, and it, a lot of times we come down, we, we always come down to like, well, I'm sort of this one, but I'm sort of this one, right? Which went, which one am I, right? If you, at the end of your career, you've grown the super successful podcast producing company or, or you've grown the super successful top 100 you know, iTunes podcast, but the rest of the industry has not changed. You built this really cool community around you. You feel that warm, fuzzy, et cetera, but you haven't changed the industry. Can you live with that and focus on the people you've helped? Or is it still going to anger you that you didn't successfully change the industry? Honestly, it wouldn't anger me. Then you're the ally fight. 
right? Okay. The revolutionary fight, that core of the revolutionary fight, we have to change the industry. We just happen to have a business model around how we're going to do that, but we have to change the industry. Now, now, as it pertains to education, though, if our education system was, is, is this, is yet still, still 60 years from now, the same as it was, as it is today, and the same as it was 60 years prior to today, which it has been the same. I, that would anger me. That would, okay. Okay. that would get me, man. <laughs> okay. I would, wouldn't be happy with that. But I suppose that, that brings up the larger question of what growth mindset university is offering beyond the podcast, right? So we, we were mostly limited inside that podcast world. We should talk about those larger offerings, et cetera. But you get, you get the process, right? And you can, mm-hmm. you're welcome to think over these a little bit more. I want to hear what folks that listen to the show think, right? Are they listening because they're part of this revolution to change the world of education? Or are they listening because of the way that it helps them level up their life, et cetera? Well, I kind of want to hear that in comments. And in discussion. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Be, I'm going to be looking for that <laughs> moving forward, right? But yeah. that's, that's the big distinction to me. You start a revolution because you don't find that acceptable anymore. And so you might start a business mm-hmm. model that's different because it's an opportunity. But the goal in that opportunity is to change the rest of the industry to get them go. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about these sometimes as disruptive innovations, right? Uh, but what they, what they really are is those little micro revolutions that start a revolution inside an industry. The industry is forced to change or go out of business. And there you've successfully won the revolution, right? And some companies are totally content to just leverage the opportunity, but not change the whole industry. Can you share an example or two of these yeah. stories and, and fights yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, g- I'll give you an example of a revolution that I that I absolutely love. Uh, they're not in the book. Uh, <laughs> um, they're not in the book mostly because you know I needed I needed more uh, examples. And they're they're a company that I found as I was writing the book. Somebody that I started talking to about this idea of fights, but they're a company called Pella. They make they make cell phone cases. Well, they make a couple different things, but they started out making cell phone cases. The difference with the cell phone case that they make is if you get an iPhone, you know, you've got an iPhone 11, you upgrade to the iPhone 17 or whatever the next one's going to be. You're right. right? You, you get a new case to protect it. The old case goes in a landfill somewhere for 10,000 years. Th- theirs don't. Theirs doesn't. Theirs is made from a soy husk and corn husk and a a process that I don't understand that melts it down, turns it into injectable plastic. And if you throw it in a compost pile, it's gone in 10 years. It is waste free is the term that they use. So you ask anyone at at Pella, why do they exist? They exist to create a waste free future. They're trying to prove to the larger industry that we don't need to use these petrochemicals, plastics, et cetera. Right. And the, the, the proof of that, to give you an idea of how sort of the revolution works, they they got a they got a five million dollar investment from Jay Z's company. They had a bunch of other successes. They're they're really a great success story. And they started looking at what's our next product. What should we be looking at next? And you'd think you make smartphone cases, some other tech or computer accessory, right? No, they asked themselves next to cell phone cases, what's another thing that contributes to a lot of useless mm-hmm. plastic? And so their second product was sunglasses. Because, because we buy the sunglasses, we yeah. go to the beach, we, we lose them, or at the end of the season, we throw them away, and then they sit in a landfill for 10,000 years. But if, if they can make sunglasses that biodegrade in 10 years, yeah. they can contribute to less waste. They're not a phone case company. Nope. They are a waste reduction company. <laughs> Yeah. You ask anyone really? at Pella what they're fighting for, they're fighting for a waste-free future. They're fighting to prove to an industry that is solely focused on using the same plastics we've been using for 60 years that choke up our rivers and create a great garbage patch in the ocean. Their whole point is we don't need that anymore. We found a way to do it. Why haven't you 
come alongside and started yeah. using that method instead. Do you ever think about this? Because there's there are so many independent content creators that just listen to this show. Just, they're just you know they they just like they like to create content. I think a lot, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do. A lot of my tribe does. Do you think that it is worthwhile for everyone who's posting content to have a a a very similar articulatable cause like this? Is well, it, is it the same concept? Like, I suppose uh, should the should question, they pick a fight? I mean, the question is whether or not you want to have build a community around it, right? If you're looking to, if you just want to create your own content and have people associated with just your brand and go, oh, I like his writing or I like her writing or I like her her comedy podcast or whatever. So if you don't care about the community and you just sort of care about fame, then then no. But if like what Growth Mindset University is and and the work that I'm trying to do is, if you are trying to build that, then you have no choice but to pick a fight. Right. You, I mean, you, and you know that you've known this for a while. You've known you need to start with why. You've known you needed to be purpose driven. You've known all of that sort of stuff. The difference is, I think there's a big disconnect between what we declare our purpose to be in, in most organizations, right? Most of the companies I work with are large enough to where the founder cannot have direct contact with each person, either because they're mm. dead because they're a hundred year old company or because the company has grown to about two dozen or so and there, there are no longer everyone direct reporting to, to that founder, right? When that happens, you need to find a way to tell a story of your purpose that will connect your original vision, mission, yeah. whatever it is, with with what they want to be a part of, so, which is a crusade. So People don't on. want to join a company, they want to join a crusade, right? Uh-huh. So that it lives on. I call that a fight because the only thing I've ever seen that can put to words a sense of urgency around a purpose is when you outline the stakes of failure as well. And when, as soon as you do that, now you're fighting for something. You're not just working towards a utopian vision of the future. You're actively working against a dystopian vision that would happen if we don't win, right? That I call that a fight. I call that a revolution, reformation, et cetera. So if you're interested in that, I think you definitely should have one. You you can you can pick and and what my advice to a lot of people is is actually survey the community and see which one resonates the most. So inside of a company, I tell people often to ask their people questions like what do we do here and how does what you do help us do that and see do they talk a lot about customers? Do they talk about the industry? Do they talk about uh, their reputation? What do they talk about that gives you some hints into what will resonate with them? But I think everybody, if you're trying to make that connection for people between sort of the the vision for the organization that you're looking to build and the day-to-day work that people are going to be asked to do, even if that's volunteer work because you're building a community around your content. Um, and, in, and in fact, it doesn't change when you're a for-profit company because all, all for-profit companies actually just have an army of volunteers. People voluntarily traded their time for money, but they could make that trade with anyone. They chose you. So they still volunteered that. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to make that connection between the work you're asking them to do every day and that larger vision of the future with stakes, then you got to pick a fight. I need to know, David, how to communicate this, this fight, this cause, purpose, belief, Internally, but also externally, like in, in my external communications to the community at large to, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just posting something and I want people to hear this message. Like, like, what should I, what should I, what should I say? How often do I have to say it? Yeah. I mean, the goal actually isn't that you say it, it's that people say it to each other. 
Oh, wow. The, yeah. the goal is that you declare it from the first time. I mean, here, so here's a larger misconception about leadership in general. There are, I mean, for 50 years, we've used these phrases like cast a vision and get buy-in for the vision or the mission or whatever. That doesn't work. It never worked. You don't cast a vision and hope that you can sell it to people. You figure out what vision will already resonate in the hearts and minds of your people and you put that to words. And when you do, they'll start telling it to each other. And then your job after you've declared it, like in the case of Pella, they declared a waste-free future, right? But after you create that line, whatever it is, right? Um, in another revolution, and this one I talk about in the book is Elevest. They're a, a, a robo-advisor like Wealthfront or Betterment who may or may yeah, not be yeah. sponsoring the show. So I have to tread carefully here. Uh, <laughs> but they are committed to the idea that those algorithms assume that you're a male and a, and the best right. algorithms would be gender that neutral cool in the story, meantime. Man. Yeah, I isn't it? I didn't realize that that sort of bias existed. I mean, yeah, as a as a well, nobody male. did. Until Sally yeah. Project pointed it out, right? But but they only have to talk about that once or just Sally Krawcheck only has to talk about that once or twice. After that, pe the people inside the organization tell it for her. Your job as a leader, once it's declared, is actually to become almost a curator of stories. Story, if it's a revolutionary fight, maybe it's stories of how the industry is ripping people off or the industry is, is harming the environment like Pella. Maybe it's mm. stories of people that have, if you're the ally fight, if it's stories of people that have tried your thing. Like your job would be to talk about the people that binge listen to Growth Mindset University and then experience this change in their life. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Those stories resonate with us much more. And that's your job as a leader because you're, you have the privilege of seeing it from that 30,000 mm -hmm. foot level. And then when you do that, people start to share the vision, start to share those stories with each other. And that's the goal. Isn't that you're just casting the vision, casting the vision, casting the vision. Yeah, so yeah. other people are reminding each other what the fight is. Maybe, you know, in my business to talk about like, you know, each podcaster's like transformation too, you know, could definitely... Could definitely yeah, so talk the, about that. On the production yeah, side, right? Share those stories. We, we said all that ally fight for the production side, right? So yeah, the before yeah. and after stories um, are a huge thing, right? <clears throat> you could call the, I mean, if it's, an, if it's an external, we call these case studies or testimonials, but people inside need to hear them uh, as well. The people that are doing mm -hmm. it, even if they're contractors, even if they're volunteers, need to see that so that they're reminded that when you're editing something, you're not just editing something, you're editing something somebody's betting their future business on or betting their life right. on whatever, and right? I need to, I feel like I need to better communicate that inside, internally. And I don't, I don't really know how to do that. Maybe I'm doing a better yeah. job than I'm giving myself credit for now. I, I'm, you know, I'm totally open to that. I hope I am. Uh, but how would you go about that, David? Yeah. So there's a million different models about company culture. Company culture is what, once you have the fight, it's time to embed it into company culture. There's a million different models. I'm not going to go over them all because most of them boil down to two things, stories and artifacts stories and artifacts. We already talked about the stories piece that your job as chief curator, chief storyteller to, to help capture and communicate out those stories, not just the founding story, but also the success stories, the people that are winning their fight because of the work that you do. The other thing is to think about what artifacts. Artifacts can be physical things. Artifacts can be sayings or rituals that you do. Like one of my, one of my favorite ally fight companies I've ever worked with is, um, I, if you've never had him on your show, you should definitely have him on a show because he's awesome. But Jesse Cole, who is the owner of the Savannah Bananas in Savannah, Georgia. Um, Jesse's 
whole fight is this idea that pro sports in general is not fan focused. Pro sports in, in general is focused around the idea of ripping fans off. You go to, you take your kid to any live sporting event, right? It's a hundred dollars per ticket. Right. And then the, the hot dog is $9. Right. And then even, even then you're going to be in this place. that's really not all that family friendly. If you get a nine-year-old and you're just trying to get them to love baseball, but there's some drunk guy cursing from behind yeah. you. It's not, it's not a good experience. Right. And so the hot dog, so- man, it's not even like, <clears throat> It's not even hot. The bunny yeah. is not toasted. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're not good hot dogs, but they're really but then again, they are really good. <laughs> so you cute. buy a ticket, you buy a ticket, you drive up from where you are to Savannah, Georgia, you buy a ticket uh-huh. to a Savannah Bananas ball game. Food is free. It's all you can eat with your ticket except alcoholic beverages, right? Because what you don't want is your kid to be screaming for another hot dog and you ran out of cash or whatever, right? It's just all you can eat whatever, right? But the other thing that they do that I think is, is fascinating is they have all these little rituals, which are a form of artifacts Oh wow! that they this do that remind people that they are fighting for the fans and they're fighting for the fan experience. So for example, that one of their, one of their artifacts is the saying, we stand for our fans, right? What do you stand for? We stand for our fans, but they literally stand for your fans. If you go to the box office and you walk through the front door and you want to purchase tickets any employee that sees you will stand up from their desk. Like you're the president or a judge or a bride through the aisle. Right. And then you ask them, why is everybody standing up? Well, we stand for our fans, right? It's this little ritual. That's the reminder, right? Mm. Or they have this artifact where they do a secret shopper and it can't be all that secret because they're not a large company. There are probably only 25, 30 employees plus interns. So, you know, you know who the secret shopper is. So they play into it and they use it as a way to remind the secret shopper attending the game, not as an employee, but as a fan to remind them that they're supposed to be in the fan shoes. They have a pair of yellow. They look like bowling shoes, like these weird yellow leather shoes that you put on right before you go out there to remind yourself that you are in the fans shoes. Those are, that's a tangible artifact, right? So those are the two things. It's your job. Once you declare the fight to think about, or what are the stories that we're going to tell and you're capture them over time. You don't need to have all the stories right away, but you probably already have some that it's time to capture. And then also what are the artifacts? Hmm. What are the tangible things? What are the rituals? What are the sayings? What are the little things like waste free future is an artifact, right? It's not only the fight, but the phrase waste free future is an artifact. What are those little things that we're going to do and repeat them often, right? If you're thinking about your community, right? Like it's the hat, what's the hashtag? What's the whatever, right? What's the uh, thing and so that's, that's going to remind people? That's why you're trying to even throw like a, like a, a, a label on like, what do we call what do we call people who listen to Growth Mindset University? Like, yeah, that's no, that's artif- why I asked. It's an artifact, right? right? Yeah, that's, that's why artif- I pushed it so much. Yeah. Mm, so now I realize that that's important. I was pretty, you didn't sell me 15 minutes or so minutes ago when you brought it up, but. Well, it's because I knew I, I had more than 15 it. minutes with you, right? I got to unpack yeah. it all. No, 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 <laughs> exactly. First, we got to define the fight, right? I, uh-huh. If you didn't pick, by the way, if you hadn't picked Ally Fight, then I would have bit ditched Growthers, by the way. Uh, oh. Right, because it wouldn't work but your job is to help the growthers, right? Your job is to help those people. So all of those little things are artifacts. That's your job as the leader is to figure out that culture that you want to build. And then once that culture is built, culture is literally how people, how a leader embeds their personality into an organization, right? Intentionally or unintentionally. There's a lot of organizations that have crappy cultures because they got crappy leaders and the leaders never took the time to shape that culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a lot of places that that have amazing leaders who never actually thought about their stories and artifacts, but it developed organically over time because that leader's personality left an imprint. But as soon as you get to the point where not everyone responds to you, as soon as you get to the point where it's many to many, not Jordan too many, 
then there need to be some cultural elements, some stories, some artifacts, some rituals, et cetera, that they can yeah. lean on. I, at the, I used to sign off before I got my intro redone. Actually, last time you were on the podcast, episode 153, it was like either the second to last or the last episode with like my old intro outro where like I was actually like talking. Um, but now it's, uh, now it's a voiceover. It's actually the same person that does, uh, if you ever listen to the James Altucher show, it's like, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's his, his name's Tim page and he, and he does it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he, was, he was with lead yeah. pages forever. I know Tim, Tim's oh. got a great voice. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but anyway, before I, you know, had him do it, it was me. And I would say like, I would essentially sign off. I'd say, I, you know, uh, live to learn, grow to give, grow to give. And Mm. I, I, I thought I used, I, I don't know if I ever used it anywhere, but like, I thought of like the whole point of growing is to give. Okay. You know, that, like that, that was the purpose I established many years. Well, not everybody believes, not everybody believes that. Right. But I do. And I I was going to call, I was going to, and your community does. I don't know. I don't ever, I never used it. I don't think I ever did, but like I had the term in my head at least grow givers. Okay. I, I like know. that. No, I like that. Cause it's sort of like, I mean, it's, so there's go getters, there's go givers like Bob Berg talks about. Right. Oh, wait. oh yeah. 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 There's that too. I, and yeah. I, I actually brought it up to Bob. I, like, I, I, could, to him and- I could live with grow givers. I could, I could. And that's a good reminder of that ally fight, right? Because we're in this, not just for the impact it's going to have on you, right? Mm. Inter- interviewing all of these different people, the impact it has on you, but on the impact it has on mm. people, which is the fight, right? Yeah. No, I love it. In fact, so, I like the couplet too. The whole idea of live to learn and grow to give, or yeah. it's almost live to learn so you can grow to give, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's like a virtual artifact, like the hashtag grow giver. What else? Like you know, because I'm a brand, and I think a lot of people are like a brand that is pretty much online. Like my business is is virtual. My team is virtual. Like. What other, it, I, I, you know, you may, you may have already gone over them, but like other virtual artifacts that like, I'm not going to have like the shoes that you're talking about. Like I, yeah. you know, it's just not, it's, nobody's going to see them. Yeah. So in, in, I'm in not terms of- walking on the red carpet. In, in terms of in, in terms of virtual artifacts, right? I wonder if there are there's a way that people can be um, familiar with certain stories, either, whether it's from your life or from early listeners or that sort of thing. So to use an example, because you said James Altucher, right? Like everybody who listens to that show has heard probably a thousand times about his three or four years yes. where he owned nothing. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, what and I didn't I mean, want to talk I mean, to him about. I met him at a conference once when he was in that in that three years. It was really it was weird because he really he, yeah, he flew to flew to Ojai, California with no luggage, right, other than a backpack, and then he bought yeah. clothes. But like the clothes were ill fitting because it was just it was an interesting, you know. I but hey, inner peace or whatever he was going for, right? But everybody's familiar with that story, right? So there's that personal story. Um, I think you got to think about the way that people see you. Um, I, I am a big fan. One of, one of my buddies, Dan Martell, does a whole podcast and coaching thing around um, specifically for SaaS founders. So he is that ally fight to people that start software service companies. But he talks about the way even his logo, it's his signature, but it's then stylized to look like mountains because it's a climb to get. There's all of those little little things that are in there that people don't notice over time. 
but as you point them out, they notice and then they remember. Every time I look at Dan's logo, I remember the idea that it's about the climb, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Um, so those so those are little things. That's I think good. you you probably already have even beyond um, Grow Givers. You probably have that that. So Grow Givers is one, right? But that phrase of live to learn, grow to give, right? That sign off thing can be it. Um, if there are key questions that you ask every guest, that can be I, yeah, a thing, right? So yeah. The so final, the final question. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's because this podcast is all about learning the lessons we should have learned in school, but didn't. And the final question is always, and, and you answered that. I don't remember what you said, but I don't either. You, People are going to listen to it, both episodes. Now. Yeah. Yeah. JordanParis.com slash EP153, the uh, <laughs> other one. David. I know, I know the numbers. You quiz me, you quiz me, name a guest. I know the number. I, I it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, I, um, well, why was it? Oh, it was, it's, it's, so the final question, and, you know, obviously people know this is, you know, if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? And, uh, yeah, I don't. I think the. I think the purpose and like. I, I think that. Ar- I think that's a good artifact. Like the. I, I, I just ask everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and as people listen to it, you know, it's sort of like you, that's sort of another version of of um, Tim Ferriss's billboard question, right? That he used oh. to ask all the time, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, which is an artifact in and of itself, right? But it, yeah. but it encourages listeners then to answer the question themselves. I mean, you're the grow the grow givers. Did I get it right? The grow givers yeah. are asking that question of themselves, right? When you ask it, they might not do it the first time, but then, you know, they start listening to every episode or they binge listen or whatever. And eventually you ask it. I mean, I, I remember uh, a couple different times. So I had a podcast for like eight years. We talked, right. we probably talked yeah, about this on episode did. 153. Yeah. It's pretty um, cool. And I asked the same five questions at the end, right? Basically because I really thought Craig Kilborn was the, uh, the Craig Kilborn daily show was like, the better daily show, but that's a, that's a debate we don't need to get into right now. Um, but then he went to late night and he had five questions with Craig Kilborn. I was like, well, these are my five questions. Um, and I would meet people who listen to the show who would just whip out those questions on me. Right. Um, because they remembered them and I, I chose mm-hmm. them because I, I actually don't remember them at this point. I chose them because at the time they were, uh, they were, what things I was curious about, but also things I think more people needed to ask. One of them, my favorite one was, what do you believe that most people don't, which I stole from Peter Thiel. Um, so yeah, little yeah, stuff I, like I that. You know, that one. I went, when Friend of a Friend came out, we went to video. We did for basically two years a video and every video opened with, hey friends, Dave Burke is here. Welcome back to the Daily Burke. There was a very specific reason I chose the word friends, right? Not only because the book is Friend of a Friend, oh, but yeah. to try and emphasize that idea that we're all this community of friends, right? Um, now I sign every email with keep fighting, right? Because I have that version of it, right? So uh-huh. these little things, they build up over time. Nobody notices them. The, gro- the first time somebody listens to this show, they're not going to notice any of them. The seventh right. or eighth time, they're not only going to, they're not only going to notice, they're going to start answering it for themselves. Mm. But the 50th time, they're going to start using it themselves. John Lee Dumas has, has, what does he call his list? Fire Nation. Yeah. Fire Nation. Yeah. Which is an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I get it. Yeah. Um, you What's know. wrong with that one? Well, so if you, if you think about JLD, um, he's a good guy. I've only talked to him a couple times, yeah. but you, you think about his avatar and his avatar is somebody who they like the whole idea is they're bored with the nine to five. They want to do something different. They want to be their own boss. They want to, they basically want to revolt against that system. 
Yeah. And, and Fire Nation is good because it's an easy way to have identity, but it doesn't speak to that. Right. Mm. Um, so, and I yeah. don't know what would, I don't, I don't know what yeah. does, but that's, that's the idea. Right. Okay. Don, Don Lee, the, the show was started um, to be a sort of revolution against that, but the, the tagline doesn't match that. Yes, one, right? yes. So, I see what you're saying. So, I, and grow givers, I ask stupid questions because I want to actually understand it. I don't, I, I, I'm not like, I don't move on if I don't completely understand it. And I want you to understand it too. So hey, David. Hey, grow, grow givers. Did you notice he just called you grow givers? It's done. It's finalized. <laughs> it was like a, a, a two second pause before I said it. I was like, oh wait, I should use that. No, uh, so good. <laughs> I noticed. And more importantly, they noticed. Here's my, here's my stupid question that, yeah. that, okay. So like, okay, you've described it, but I'm going to ask it again. The purpose of an artifact is to blank. Point back to the fight. Right. Uh-huh. I was thinking of like the word reminder in my head, but again, wanted to make sure I understand it. Okay. Yeah. So I get to point, to point back to the fight. The purpose of an artifact is to point back to the fight. The purpose of the story is to point back to the fight or to demonstrate progress or demonstrate mm-hmm. a sense of urgency. There's a couple different reasons why you might tell the story. Obviously it depends on the story, but the purpose of an artifact is to point back to that fight. Yeah, maybe in so like my team, we all use Basecamp as and and all the clients are in there and the team is in there and everyone mingles and does projects and gets work done. So like maybe in 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 sign offs in our sign offs, I can have like you know I could have some sort of special sign off there. Like you said, you said what what's yours? Oh, keep fighting keep right fighting. now. Like yeah. maybe I could pick a special sign off that, that we could all use that everyone will kind of remember, like, you know, this is what we're, we're fighting for here. Yeah. Like, so you could I'm do trying that. to think what other artifacts I could use in Basecamp. You could do that. You could also, I think Basecamp is a great place to capture those stories. So you could have a uh-huh. regular, like, I'm sure you've been a part of the Facebook groups that have, you know, it's, it's uh brag friday talk about your win or it's you know oh, yes, question yes, tuesday or whatever right yes. you can do that with your team right who has a success who has a client success story it's wednesday we always talk about clients you know or etc uh-huh. those, those sort of little things um you can base camp well. ha- yeah and base camp has like like tools in there that that kind of like built-in tools that you can kind of do that with like questions that come up automatically every single week like or campfire conversations that come yeah. up every week or like yep. you know uh every month or however or even every day or every monday or like yeah so like okay my brain is really turning here david and and it like that's the reason that you know i invited you back on the podcast too within seven minutes of turning on the uh audible <laughs> i remember of, that actually Pick five. Yeah, I think I, I, I posted, like, you sent me a screenshot and then I posted that screenshot on my social media. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like I, you sent it. So you sent the book to me and then I, after seven minutes, I was like, all right, I'm ready to have you back on the podcast. Let's talk about it. And you're like, really? So soon? Like the, uh, like you only be listening for seven minutes. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is perfect for me right now. I'll finish it by the, this book by the end of the week. So this, David, I think that we covered just about the most important things here. And man, like, is it, I'm is looking it this right one? now. Sorry, I'm looking. Is it this one? Is that you? 
Wait, yeah, yeah, that's my car. Yeah, yeah. you you sent me that. <laughs> my car. You the were twenty. Favorite. You were twenty nine seconds in. Oh no way! <laughs> no way! It must well, this is been... a screenshot you sent me. You were twenty nine seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. Uh, well, man, I'm I'm looking at the at how long we've been talking already, like over forty minutes and time flies and we talk i remember last time too man it was like a lot of fun and this has been a lot of fun too and i've now as opposed to last time when we talked about networking a topic that i already knew so much about and it was more like conversational this is more like i am in complete learning mode i really you know i i listened to his book but like i really don't I don't understand it nearly as much as David or how to like really still apply it to my business. And I feel like I really got that today. And I hope that you grow givers did too. David, before I ask my final question, <laughs> number yeah. one, thank you. Number two, grow givers get pick a fight on audible. If you want to learn a lot more about this, what else did I write? Oh, you go over, you go over, this concept called perception crafting, um, you know, and picking the right fight, like right fight, right fight versus wrong fight. Uh, and uh, you go, you go over a lot of stuff in there. Pick a fight, get the book on Audible. Uh, David Burkus is on LinkedIn. He's also on Twitter. He's pretty active on those platforms. And jordanparis.com slash EP153 was our first episode together about networking david before i ask my final question is there anything more that that you want to say about your book or otherwise no man this has been great this is this was so much more fun than the usual like five sound bites and we're out type podcast um i i mean i've been witness to the grow givers i've been witness to that that group for a while and love a that i already know the conversation is going to keep going after this on social etc which i i love um but i love the idea of being able to speak in and contribute to that group and i hope watching the process uh, was or, or I guess listening. Nobody's watching but you and I. Uh, I hope watching the process was worthwhile uh, for everybody too, because these are again these are deep questions. But to be honest with you, this is a time to ask those questions. We're all, you know, if you are um, still in that mode where you've had to slow things down, lock things down, etc. As we as we're recording this in the middle of the COVID crisis, this is a good time to think about what the purpose is going to be when we open back up, because there's no point going back if going back doesn't have that same sense of purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons I think this has been um, one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk about this message in this specific time. So yeah. Yeah. Check that out. You'll f- all the links in the show notes for whatever. Yeah. 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 This yeah, is yeah. JordanParis.com. And yeah. we will talk to you on LinkedIn and on Twitter because we always end up doing it. So I'm excited for that too. We do pick a fight audible show notes for this episode jordanparis.com hit the search icon in the top right of the website search david's name two things will come up the old episode and the new episode so it'll be pretty easy to find the right one there again pick a fight david my final question if i mean i'm asking you again again i don't know what you said last time so if you could teach a course at university course of your creation or otherwise what would it be yeah. So I probably gave you a cop-out answer before and talked about the one course I still teach at university, but oh. I would I would build it for now, now where we are at two years later, um, I would build a new course and it would be, it would start with pick a fight and the idea of purpose, but it would move into that larger sense of how do you find it individually in your own life and how do you find it in your work? Because I, be- I believe that work is just way too important to have so many people go to one that 
that sucks, right? And I apologize for, you know, the PG-13 word, or maybe it's PG word. I don't even know. Um, it, I think it's too important. I think the whole concept of work-life balance is a, is a myth because no matter how many hours on one end or the other you work, the, the spheres intersect with each other. And if you go to a crappy job or you are responsible for employing people in a crappy job, that's going to spill over into home life. It's too important. So I would run across yeah. on, on that, on this experience of work is more central to our life than most people are willing to realize. Hmm. And that sense of purpose and meaning, and then also making sure that workplace actually functions properly is hugely important. It's the course that I think pretty much everybody who's going to work which is everyone needs. David Burkus, you're the man. Thank you very much. Man, thank you so much for having me. Of course. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode, and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.